drifting off it sink. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I I guess, like, if we're lifting off, then the destination must be to the moon! (laughs) We're going to the moon! (laughs) So, what's going to the moon? (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> what are we sending? What's the payload? GameStop. We're sending stonks <laughs> to the moon. Oh, that. I, I think I heard about that. I don't know. Wait. What What have you heard? Wait, what? Um, we're sending We're sending what to the moon? I thought we were just podcasting we're sending- on the moon. Shit. <laughs> we're sending stonks <laughs> to the moon. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, no, but um, it seems that uh, good old Diamond Hands has uh, grabbed a hold of GameStop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be in the news. The, the Wall Street bets has seemed to do something with Mr. Stock Market. Am I right? Wait, can you can you describe what Mr. Stock Market looks like? Um, Mr. Stock Market, he looks, uh, he looks like a combination of, uh, Kirk Douglas and the Monopoly Man. (laughs) Do you think Kirk, do you think, like, uh, you know, Stock Market guy, do do you think that, like, what do you think he does in his free time? I think he does, I think he, he mainly, he mainly plays Dota. Like, you guys might be like, oh, oh, cocaine hookers. No, no, this guy has, like, a $12,000 rig that he uses with, like, eight monitors, and he just plays Dota. And he's not even good at it. (laughs) Not even Dota 2, just Dota. (laughs) Ah, old school. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's 38, and he hasn't, like, played a new game in, like, 10 years. Like, he, he doesn't even, like, play, like, something, like, fun strategy-wise. He just play like, he plays Dota. He's not playing, like, StarCraft. He's not playing, like, Crusader Kings 2 or Hoi 4 or Europa Universalis or Stellaris. He just plays Dota. That's, he's a Dota scrub. Mm-hmm. He's not even yeah. going old school with, like, AoE 2 or something like that, which would at least, you know, there's some nostalgia there. Yeah. Like, his favorite Civ game is probably, like, you know, one of the later ones, like, six or seven. Well, I mean, like, this is why he's betting... Now they get worse and worse. This is why he's betting against GameStop. Because he doesn't think people buy video games anymore. You know? (laughs) So, and who plays video games, just out of curiosity? What's the title of this group? Um, I would would call them, uh, Gameoids? Is that cur- like? Um, I don't that, know. That implies I, that I, I don't think there's a word for them yet. I don't think there's a word for them yet. So I'm coining it. It's gameoids. I don't know. I think that sounds like you know that they're gay or something. I mean, I'm sure some of them are, but like, I don't think they're all gay. Um, uh, hmm. But yeah, what's what's the word? So the stock market. Oh, man gamers. Has... <laughs> so yeah, the stock market man is going nuts because. Gamers on Reddit. 
And oh my god, are they fucking going nuts? Well, first of all, it's a great risk to many of the unsophisticated investors who are investing in it, whatever their basis is. I've talked to some of these people. I think we've all recognized that the current pandemic has created an, a unique situation where many people have gotten into day trading, really have no idea exactly what they're doing. It's something that they're trying to figure their way as they go. These types of entities, uh, such as GameStop, have created a, a, a really difficult situation for these people. They think they're missing out if they don't make a bet on them. Uh, they, are, they don't really understand what they're doing. I think small-time investors like that, unsophisticated investors, are going to be hurt by this. Moreover, I think it really is a risk to the broader market. Uh, Melvin Capital is now out of the stock. They got out of the stock, from what I understand, yesterday afternoon. Uh, I just got off the telephone with Gabriel Plotkin, who runs that firm. Uh, they've taken a, a rather huge loss. I do not have the full number on what that loss looked like. Uh, as was reported yesterday, both Citadel uh, and Point72 have infused something on the order of close to $3 billion into uh, Melvin Capital to try to shore up its finances. It really puts a lot of um, question about the integrity of the market, right? And it really kind of, everybody's scratching their heads over this. What what should happen? What What is the right thing to do to control this or stop this? Not unlike what we saw on January 6th at the Capitol, right? If you don't have the police in there at the right time, things go a little crazy. And that's kind of feels like what's happening with this much different, much lesser degree. It's financial harm, not personal bodily harm. The reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government. Okay. And this fair share is a bullshit concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people. And, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. Yeah, I, I think this is a this isn't just a traditional kind of pump and dump, which I feel like a lot of people on your network are characterizing it as. I, I think it's a much broader uh, socioeconomic movement. And a lot of these traders on Wall Street bets, quite frankly, don't care whether or not they make or lose money. Um, they, you know. The diamond hands over there are wanting to hold long term, and they 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 don't they ha they have a lot of animosity against the the Wall Street types and these people that they feel like uh, are are rigging the system against them. But there isn't anyone who was involved with GameStop in any sort of way, shape, or form who would accept the fact that this company should be at three hundred thirty-eight. But there are people who are buying it because you know, Carl, you see this too. The system is broken right now for certain stocks for the heavily heavily shorted stocks. And people are thinking somehow, well, this is a home run. Take the home run. Don't go for the grand slam. Take the home run. You've already won. You've won the game. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Wow, they are. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're mad. They're angry little babies. Did you? Oh, that reminds me about the angry little babies. Did you hear about the like literal like ghoulish billionaire who's fucking bullied off of Twitter because of all this? Wasn't Steve he one Cohen? of those guys in the in in the clip? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, classic, 
Turns out yeah. there can be consequences for your actions, however mild. <laughs> you just have to bully them hard enough. Apparently. <laughs> so, so, okay. We Someday a- we will bully all the blue checks off of Twitter. Yeah. Oh, um, by the way... The- we are abolishing blue checks. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, the the people who are we that is the the chop shop economics crew that's us that's that's me saint helen miss silver and it's your gal holly quinn hey! the most famous porn clown in all of the western united states and dr spider the, the most famous porn clown in the eastern United States. <laughs> so, um, we've talked a lot around this, but it, it, it appears that, um, there, that Wall Street bets, a certain subreddit for people who have compulsive gambling, um, they they decided to do something and they got their first dub can you can you tell me uh saint helen like what how, how did you describe wall street bets earlier like what did you what who did you compare them to oh fuck i don't remember you expect me to remember anything past 5 seconds ago you, remember, you compared them to an anime protagonist. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, like, okay, so so how I've seen this is that, is that Wall Street Bets is the anime protagonist. He's the shonen protagonist, and it, it is very strongly a he. Um, but he's the shonen protagonist who, for the past, like, eight years, has been getting his ass kicked by Wall Street. Just L after L. And he is... Sitting there, bloodied, just injured horrifically, getting his ass whooped by this super villain. And then Wall Street turns on his friend now. Wall Street bets best friend GameStop. And he's about to finish him off. When Wall Street bets finally cracks and goes full out just this once with unlimited gamma squeeze. Wall Street Bets doesn't really have a good track record. They've mostly just been a place where a bunch of like really like day traders who now there's a whole lot more of because COVID has pushed people who uh, might have had the disposable income to do this before to now do remote work, not spend any money on going on like vacations or restaurants or anything. So fuck it. They may as well gamble the stocks all day while they're at work. Yeah. I mean, so we've, now had, we've had, uh, we've had interview uh, um, back during our interview of Francis. Remember he was, um, 
he was gambling on um <laughs> on Robin Hood. We told him not to do that, but um he did it. Can you imagine being Francis you know, right like, now? It is the show's <laughs> position, generally speaking, that it's a better idea to go to Vegas than to go to Wall Street, you know? So just mm-hmm. to put that out front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and... mean like even even the people who really hit the jackpot on on this GameStop stuff made like what, like ten thousand percent? That's nothing. If you go to if you go to Vegas and you put five dollars in a slot machine and you hit the jackpot, that is like a hundred thousand percent. It is amazing. <laughs> and you got better odds of that happening than calling any of this right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean I can like I can tell you about like a few of their L's if y'all would like. <laughs> Okay, so, um, y'all might remember, this one was kind of a W, but only because he was bailed out of his stupidity at, like, the very last second. Y'all might remember when, um, oil futures went negative. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, like, I believe we, like, subsisted on the tears of oil executives for a solid week after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um so what happened was was one of these um diamond hand idiots um decided to buy some oil futures. Um since it was like, you know, negative thirty seven per barrel, he bought a thousand of those. Um and then he um, he managed to get out, but it was hours before he had to take physical delivery of one thousand barrels. Oh of oil. yeah, I remember <laughs> this guy. That was one of the greatest. That was one of the greatest events in all of Wall Street history. Honestly, like. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. literally having to get your future delivered because, oh my god, because uh, no one yeah, will take he, it. <laughs> he missed it by like hours. He yeah. managed to sell that contract at like not even like the eleventh hour. It was like the fortieth minute or something. <laughs> it was just. It was amazing. And then, um... See, this is the reason I don't trade in commodities. The only reason. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there was the guy who, um, decided to short a bunch of stock in the... What was that country that, like, defaulted and basically told uh, Wall Street to just... Go fuck yourself. Lebanon? Argentina. Argentina. Um, So, this this price spark has the brilliant idea of shorting Argentinian stocks um, from the U.S. The plan works. He gets, uh, he realizes a whole bunch of games. Just in time for the currency to completely fucking collapse. 
And then um, they locked out the foreign trade exchange. So now he's got a bunch of Argentine pesos, I want to say, locked up somewhere that are completely fucking worthless. The classic trader's dilemma of what happens if you make all this money, but there's no market to sell it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, the, these these are the sorts of geniuses we're dealing with here. Um, people who... Well, now, these are, like, the most high-profile cases, but, like, it, it needs to be emphasized. This place is about sharing your L's. Um... Some people do make games. Um, they post about them sometimes. But mostly it's a place to commiserate about your losses because you were in the parlance. The, God, I hate using this word. A retard. Yeah, the... That's, that's the like their they culture use. there. And it's, it's, it's really funny because like, they, they're really determined to... They would rather lose while actively trading mm-hmm. than sign up for like a nice Cerberus managed index fund that gives them six percent returns annually. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is I mean ultimately scary. it's it ultimately it's a question of like this feels like for to them, this feels like they have more agency than the alternative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, the big thing that this turns on, like, you know, like, their perception of their agency. Yeah. And, like, it feels like, you know, you're getting a lottery ticket, but you actually have some control over whether or not you draw the right numbers. I mean, really, you kind of don't, but, like, any of these trading platforms will tell you up front, 75% of all traders will lose their money. Like it is worse, objectively worse odds than going to any regulated casino. Um, Yeah. Like, the house wins. (laughs) You can have pretty good runs in Blackjack regularly. Like, (laughs) this is... You can make a profit off of Roulette compared to this. Yeah. Yeah, Roulette is better odds than day trading. And there's an actual physical object involved, so, you know. That yeah, helps. I should I should point out that like at this point and I finally went and ran the math on this last night. There were a bunch of people who supposedly jumped in with like their entire pandemic check. Um so you know, people who were probably opening positions sometime in August when um basically interest returned to um, GameStop as a company as far as Wall Street bets uh, as far as Wall Street bets went Um, so if you bought somewhere in late August you'd pay about five bucks a share Um, so if you speaking of which who bought shares you know late last year. Well, I would say not late last year, kind of mid to late last year. You know, well, I think he's known on um on Reddit <laughs> as Deep Fucking Value, but his actual name is Keith Giff. 
Oh yeah. Before we really get into the weeds on this, we should probably step <laughs> back and explain like how the hell what? this all actually works for our listeners at home, because even though I'm sure you've seen shorts and short squeeze and gamma short squeeze and all these other terms a million times at this point in the news, it, I'm willing to bet that for at least some of you, you're still going, what the hell does this all actually mean? And why does this make money happen? Okay. So, uh, Doc, Doc S, I have a question. You know, explain it to me like I'm a hyena. What exactly is a short? Like, is it shorts? Am I wearing these shorts? Or what exactly are these shorts? So, a short is a kind of contract you can take out on a stock. And when I'm talking stocks, I'm talking, like, once upon a time, maybe your grandma... No, like, you know, once upon a time, maybe your grandma was like, Hey, I'm going to give you some money in, like, you know, shares in General Motors or Dow Chemical or something like that, going, this is a nice, safe blue chip, and it will gain in value until oh, you are ready to go to college kind of thing. And they're talking about those kind of stocks. But what a short is, is it's not your grandma giving you the stock certificate or even you going out and saying, hey, I'm going to buy a piece of this company because I think GameStop is a good business plan. I want to give them money, and I want to see them grow. It's more like you're placing bets on whether the stock price is going to go up or down. And at this point, a buy is you're betting the stock price will go up. A short is where you're expecting the stock to go down. And what happens to the stock if it goes way too low? Then investors bail out, they pull money from the company, and, you know, they tend to go bankrupt and have to lay off workers and enter receivership. And, you know, it's generally, like, pretty fucking awful for people. So, it's basically, if I get this right, Doc, it's basically the gravediggers at a graveyard betting on who's going to die and who's not going to die. And when they have a lot of money on who's going to die and who's not not going to die, they send a hitman to kill the person who they're betting on who's going to die. Pretty, Is that right? Pretty much. It's, I mean, dipshit Thomas Friedman gives, like, another kind of colorful example. This is how I would actually explain it to a young person who's trying to understand what happened. I mean, like a like a five year old. Um, first, there were these people um, called lions. They're long sellers, and they um, uh, you know they noticed a wildebeest that um, seemed to be uh, hobbling. It was called GME stock, and they ate it. Um, uh, this stock was one sixty three dollars. Went down to four. Then along came the hyenas. They're called short sellers. And they fed off the carcass of uh, GME. And these hyenas, they're magical hyenas, they actually made the carcass grow 50% larger than it really was. Then along came a group called Short Squeezers, a new whole new group, okay? Um, and they uh, were vultures who ate the hyenas, basically. And um, uh, the really smart vultures ate and flew away when the stock was $500. Uh, the dumb ones are going to stick around and keep eating. And in the end, the lions will come along and eat them, and the stock will eventually go back. It's a circle of life. Hakuna Matata, baby! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I love that guy. He's he sounds very smart. Um and is not just making kind of a very general statement on the entire idea of everything going on. No, um, and is using a, an analogy that both works in general and specifically for this situation. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Um, Capitalism is predatory, according to Thomas Friedman. Yeah, yeah. No, it's about killing and eating. Like they literally, they literally said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> That's what's been amazing, is these guys are not being shy, and so yeah, that's a short, and that's the what the whole thing is with shorting. So, what's going on here? Well, can you explain what happens when the price of a stock being shorted starts going up? It, well, how does that relate to my shorts being squeezed? Yeah, please Where describe can... Harley's shorts being squeezed. <laughs> <laughs> well, where it gets fun is if you're betting on the short, then you're betting on that stock eating shit. You're betting on the company losing money and going into the tank. And now sometimes, you know, stock prices will go down a little bit because you sell something, but you're you're betting on people dropping dead. So you need the stock to go down to be able to realize your position. If, however, people start pouring money into the company and buying stocks and improving the like capitalization for the business by going, hi, here's money. Maybe like, you know, uh, Lockheed just announced that they scored another graph plane contract or Disney ate Warner Brothers for a light snack. The stock will go up. Um and if you're stuck holding a short, then it's the same thing as if you bet on Disney going up and instead they dove into the pavement. <laughs> well, in this case, what happened was somebody went in to actually took a look at GameStop's balance sheet. And... For a company in a dying sector, which is, you know, brick-and-mortar retail, they're not doing that bad. I mean, yeah, they have outstanding liabilities, what company doesn't, but they've also got quite a bit of cash on hand. Um, they've got a decent restructuring plan. They got a new CEO who has had some success with online retail, like, there, there is a thesis that GameStop could succeed, could pull itself out of its slump. Um, like, it's not in a bad position. Um, it's not like other retailers that have completely eaten shit. So that's the bull thesis. Um, and that's the thesis that... Basically, Michael Burry, way back when, and Deep Fucking Value, that guy, uh, bought into. They're like, okay, um, actually, it doesn't make sense to short this stock. It makes sense to go long on it. I don't hold, like, too big a position on it, but, like, this is... There is a reasonable bull thesis, um, and, you know, it's not going to vary very much, so 
I'm probably not going to be out too much if this blows up in my face. Um, so that's basically what went down. Um, so is- what you're saying here is that like that guy who made the promise that, you know, because he worked for the Trump campaign mm-hmm. to eat a shoe if Trump lost, um, the these short sellers promised to eat a shoe if the price of the stock went up. And now the st- price of the stock is going up, yeah. and they have to eat the shoe, and they do not want to eat the shoe. Yeah, they don't even want, like, people to realize that the stock was modestly undervalued, let alone um, sent to the moon. To the moon! To the moon! <laughs> <laughs> like, 140%. That's how much, like, they were trying to short the stock. Yeah. They, and... they literally shorted more stock than, like, they shorted more shares than existed. Like, that existed to borrow. Yeah. But, which is, you know, Wall Street math at its <laughs> finest. I'm not going to say whether or not that was a naked short, but it is possible at that level of short interest to be basically yeah they were (laughs) betting that so many people would sell their shares of Mm -hmm. gamestop that there would be that many extra shares on the market by the time the short was called like They could, like, borrow them again to, like, run through them again if, you know, they really had to execute that trade. Mm-hmm. This is, like, this is fronting your hand of blackjack with the lottery ticket that you haven't won with yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like so, hit uh, me up and you Ms. throw Silver. in an unscratched fucking lottery ticket. <laughs> So, Miss Silver, can you, uh, like, earlier you talked about how, like, uh, Wall Street Bets has made, has taken a lot of losses before, um, but right now what we're seeing is their first big win. Like, this is the first time that this, like, wild bunch of clan raccoons, and they are clown raccoons, like, have you seen a pack of raccoons? Like, they're like velociraptors. Have I seen a pack of raccoons? Now imagine, now just imagine if all those raccoons were juggalos. This is Wall Street bets. Yeah. uh, So I think a good metaphor that Ms. Silver could probably explain more is a DDoS is just regular juggalos. I'm sorry, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, they do describe themselves now as, you know, being. Four Chan who found a Bloomberg terminal. <laughs> oh my god! Pretty oh much. God. <laughs> it's a soup. So, Miss Silver, like, they're an can absolute. Can you explain what soup. a DDoS attack is and like how this compares to a DDoS attack? Mm, it's a decent analogy, um, but basically, instead of so with a standard denial of service attack, it, nobody does these anymore because. You basically can't generate enough traffic to like overwhelm a system with just one um, 
with just one attacker doing it, one IP address generating traffic to a machine, it doesn't work anymore unless the machine is seriously under provisioned. So to counter that, what you would do is you would spread out the load among a bunch of different machines. Um, like, for instance, way, way back in the day, there was a tool that you could use um, that was pointed at, like, Stormfront and National oh, Vanguard. What was that? Vanguard News Network? That's one of those stupid white power boards. And basically, what it would do is it would repeatedly refresh a page that had links to basically every image on the site. And so, you know, you would basically just link this to someone who wants to attack them, and they would just, you know, leave that page in the background, um, you know, downloading this shit over and over and over until, you know, their server bills spiked and their, ser and their actual server killed over. So... Basically, a distributed denial of service attack is an attack to destroy a system um, using multiple nodes, multiple independent nodes to attack um, that machine. That's, that's the basics of it. Um, so, so you, like a balloon filled with too much air. <laughs> Kinda. So so like so like a car going too fast. That makes even less sense. Oh my God. Sure, why not? It's Wall Street. <laughs> they all work. <laughs> and this is so like. <laughs> and the thing that's funny about this is Wall Street's been pulling shit like this for years. Absolute fucking years. That's what, like, half the reason CNBC and Bloomberg exist. is so these fucking traders have the data to immediately, like, jump and move money around and bet on fucking microsecond long transactions and all this other shit and load market sentiment in favor of particular companies. Mm. Like, well, like as much as like, it's funny to see that there's these wall streeters who are accusing wall street bets of stock manipulation when that's basically what they've been doing and what hedge funds have been doing for gods know how long like there's been like private wall street only chat forums just like wall street bets that have been around since the fucking 90s yeah and there have been public manipulations of retail investing internet channels since basically the dawn of the internet like in uh Normally, it's like a hedge fund or an investment firm doing it. Well, usually 
it's some moron at the investment firm who thinks that um, their behavior will not catch up with them and that the SEC is completely fucking stupid. Um, sometimes they are even right. Like, it's worth remembering the SEC are literally the only cops that the U.S. government likes defunding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, basically, um, <laughs> there you have it. Like, this is, this is a complete fucking shit show. Um... But, yeah, DDoS doesn't really describe what a short squeeze is. Um. (laughs) So, and this gets us to Um, what a short squeeze is, is that's then when you get this situation where people holding a short position are getting nailed by the stock going long when they weren't expecting it to. They've mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. zigged when they should have zagged. Yeah, they, they and they zigged, so now they're getting nailed <laughs> by long. What's the now? What? So a long is when it goes up. So yeah, okay. It went long. Yeah, it's Wall Street. They talk about bulls and bears and like long and short and all this other. Just like they have their own fucking language. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And. That's what's happening with the with like Melvin Capital and quite a few other hedge funds right now is they had these strong short positions. Like a lot of hedge funds were caught in this one because there enough of them were taking out short positions that there were more shorts than fucking stocks in existence. Like it was a short position you could see from a fucking mile away. But they were expecting that everybody who had the smart money in Wall Street was in on the game and not, you know, the dumb money on Reddit that no one gave a shit about. <laughs> yeah. So so you're saying they got their shorts squeezed because they were caught with their pants down and they got nailed <laughs> by a long hold. Okay, okay. Um <laughs> Okay, okay, this works. I I uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that now now it makes sense to me. Okay. It's also worth remembering that our description of what a short is was a little simplistic. Part of it is that you're basically borrowing uh, someone else's share. Um, and, you know, you sell that share, you gotta, but you gotta give one back to the person you borrowed it from. It's and weird. where do you get those? <laughs> it yeah, that, that, like, that that's like that's what that's what makes their exposure infinite, right? Pretty much. Like you got to remember Wall Street like merrily and heartily laughs in the face of these things called, you know, the laws of physics and material reality on a regular basis. So like this kind of weird shit is like of the mechanics of how they justify it is really pretty normal when you spend enough time like staring into that particular abyss. Uh huh. So uh, my my question is, when did Robinhood become like a Wall Street investor? I I never saw Robinhood there. Like, when did this happen? Somebody sneaked on the hog. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, this is easy. Like, a few years back, someone was like, there should be an app for investing. And then they made that. And then someone was like, okay, there should be an app for investing, but it's free. So they made Robinhood. Um, yeah. Well, it's free in that, like, you don't pay for, you don't pay for trades. You, yeah. the So what customer. you're saying is that Robin will let you hit it for free. The, the adult Robin. I'm not talking about the child. You're talking about Dick, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Dick. Okay. Like, are you saying that Nightwing, like, will let you hit it for free? Basically, but, but they sell your but, data. Yeah, he tells you, he he tells people where you're going and where you're coming from. Uh, wait, wait, wait! He's telling he's telling people when I'm coming. That little scab. <laughs> um, oh my god! So yeah, basically, what ended up happening was. Because the retail investors told everyone to, everyone who, you know, was vaguely interested in this position to hold um, specifically to squeeze out Melvin's position. <laughs> it's Wait, why, why are we squeezing Melvin's neck? How is this? Yeah. Okay, who is, who is this Melvin? It's Me just another fucking hedge fund. There's like there's there a, a dime a dozen that like that put like so they're they're the primary like short stake. They 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 are the ones who like really drove the short um, and invested yeah. the most into it. Yeah, they were the ones who really. Um, enabled the short thesis, them and Andrew left of Citron Research. Um, both of them have since supposedly exited their positions, but uh, they may have actually exited them, but the way that tends to work is the settlement, com uh, the settlement is complex, it's messy, um, and you can still be bit by, um, you can still be bit by it, even if you know. Um, so my question is, you're why are out. they, what, why are they advertising on CNBC that they've exited the position? Because it sounds like you know, for for a man who has not been owned, for for a man who has been owned, they're trying to, they're saying very loudly that they are not owned. Well, uh, this. Oh, well, this actually yeah. is because this actually is because they they're trying they're 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 acting like this is a pump and dump when it's actually a hold to the moon situation. Um, to the moon, <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole what we've been dancing around with a short squeeze is remember earlier that I said that when you short something. You are borrowing a stock, selling it off, and then you realize your gain by getting a share. Or you realize your loss by getting a share. But the thing is, is you have to be able to get a share. If everyone 
is holding at a position that's higher than the so-called market rate, then, well, you're just going to have to pay more for that goddamn share. Um, you're going to have to find a buyer, well, a seller that is willing to sell you a share. And it does not matter if that share price is completely insane. If they... Look, if they want you... If the counterparty wants you to get me that fucking share right now, you have to go to the guy who has their limit order set at $14.20.69, and and you have to buy it from them. If they are the only one who is willing to sell it to you for that fucking price, then you have to pay that. You do not get a choice. Yeah, yeah, and and so and so pre there. Okay, so this is the thing: short squeezes have historically been caused by a certain kind of scheme, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. Um, you can correct me on this, Doc, but it's called the pump and dump because. Hedge, because, like, Wall Street cannot name something that doesn't have, like, five layers of sexual innuendo. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, a pump and dump is where you find out uh, a stock is getting shorted or that it's, like, maybe undervalued. You build a ton of hype for it and buy a huge amount of it. And then when it goes up, you decide to cash out and... um, if it's paired with a short, you get to cash out big because people have to buy. And if it's, um, and then you just run. You you take your money and run, and people realize that it was all fake, that it was all like fake hype, and the company stock goes back down, and that's the dump. Yeah, and this is like what got Tesla in trouble, specifically Elon Musk, was that the SEC accused him of doing a pump and dump with his absurdly stupid comments like, I think the stock is overvalued, and... Yeah, he was trying to dump so he could sell and Mm -hmm. then catch it back Um, and then buy it back lower. So I just ran the numbers on this, because let's just say... So I've seen numbers that uh, Wall Street so far has lost about $70 billion. Um, so let's say, let's divide that by 140. Uh, because like that's how much, like, that's how many shares, percent, percentages of shares that they have to take care of. Um, when you, the current uh, stock price of GameStop is about $325. So, uh, if you divide, you know, that by 325, it comes to, like, Wall Street at this point, assuming that, like, uh, other hedge funds, like, that were involved in this also did the same stupid thing that the original two hedge funds did in this, like, um, in this, like, is it the bull theory or the bear theory? Um, bull theory. Yeah, and, like, the bull theory. Um, it comes to, they, they're losing... Like at this point, they're losing about uh, 1.5 million dollars per share. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, percentage, and that's why per, it's per percentage risk. of share. Um, but the point is, the reason we brought up pump and dump, remember, 
is because you were asking why they were trying to say that they'd already uh, divested of their position, why they'd already got the short done. It's because they're trying to trigger the dump. Yeah. And that's the only way Wall Street walks away. Because that's the but only way a I... normal investor acts. But I don't think these uh, clown raccoons have to take a shit. No, they're not dumping. They're holding. Ho they are fully constipated. Yeah, they've got diamond hands because they hold so hard. <laughs> That's why you see diamond hands and hodl posted everywhere. Because you know they're not they're not dumping. They're not they're not gonna sell. So, um, so Robin Hood made them sell, <laughs> or at least forced them to stop buying no, as there's, much. There's a there's a lot of reports of Robin Hood uh, selling people's marginal positions uh, on GME and AMC. Which is, which is heinously, heinously illegal. It's, it's like stupidly illegal. And like, it's one thing... Okay, so they have the kind of contract where they can sell your positions if they find them to be like volatile or high risk. So they've got the kind of contract as a broker for most of accounts to do that for you but here's the rub they get 40 percent of their income from one firm citadel securities guess who citadel securities just bailed out for billions of dollars and could lose billions of dollars if the firm goes bankrupt melvin who just lost everything on GameStop and would lose the bailout and not be able to pay Citadel back if GameStop isn't dumped. But yeah. I want to say there's so, some famous person who's come up in the news recently <laughs> that's taken a rather significant sum of money from Citadel. Like, it, it's on the tip of my tongue. Like, I want to say it's Biden's cabinet. Um, Janet Yellen. Yes, <laughs> the wait, secretary wait, of the yelling? treasury. Who is yelling? I'm I, Janet I'm yelling. yelling on the street corner. <laughs> the end <laughs> is nigh. Liquidity crisis now. Um. <laughs> so part of it was um, some of the positions. Uh, some of the hold positions were like margin called, which. With margin, it can get really tricky to try and, you know, diamond hand that stuff because they're like, well, you know, we can call you at any time, technically. Um, so if we don't like where this is going, we can just fucking margin call you to close out your position. Um, Like, it's one thing to do a margin call because, like, that's that's somewhat forced by the mechanics of the market. Um, and you gotta remember, there's a liquidity crisis on this fucking stock. Um, that's what we're talking about. Very when, many. Uh, <laughs> no one is selling for uh, market price. 
that's what a liquidity price crisis is, is that, like, there aren't enough spare shares around to, like, float at a market price. People are gripping it with their bare hands, and there's no, there, there aren't liquid shares. Basically, if, like, the, if the counterparty who's holding, like, your margins decides, you know, oh, fuck this, um, I don't, I don't think you'll be able to pay me back, um, unless I pull it now, um, they can force you to sell. But, and here's the problem, and here's where we get into the spectacularly illegal shit. They started selling people's long positions. Um, positions that were owned outright. Mmm. Yeah. Fun. And that, now yeah, it's that, that, at that forbidden. point, that's just legally stealing, right? You're just stealing Basically. at that point. Like the brokerage is like, it's like a bank going like, oh, hey, we could use that money from your bank account. So we're just going to pull it. And uh, <laughs> it, it's basically the same thing, right? <laughs> it's heinously illegal. And this is like the nakedness of how Wall Street has responded and been squalling about this is really just... It's a thing to behold, especially because... As far as anyone can tell from available sources, these traders are not going to bail on the position, not because they're expecting to make money on this, but purely to spite Wall Street. Yeah, the, the point is to cause a liquidity crisis. That is why people are holding. It's not because... I mean, some of it is an irrational love for GameStop because people are all like, you know, they've got a sentimentality for retailers that uh, are unique and they base a lot of identity on their product. So yeah, they're going to... That's why it was the target for this. But the reason they're holding is, and you see this in, like, so many posts, all these posts over all these platforms, people going, like, I'm holding even if I lose all the money I invested, specifically because I'm seeing hedge funds go bankrupt, and I hate hedge funds. I hate the hedge fund managers. I hate Wall Street. I hate these stockbroker assholes who have ruined the country and personally ruined my life which is true for millions and millions of people in the country so and it's going global there's been so posts coming there, in from overseas yeah, uh, investment boards and like you know like similar to like wall street bets who are like logging in from london logging in from berlin from cape town from uh sydney we're in this with you. We're holding until this goes, and which kind of really pushes it into a real nightmare scenario for finance because it's gone from this is a thing happening just in American markets to now this could become a global phenomenon, which would be impossible for any one regulator to crack down on because if there's one oh. thing that's totally non-existent it's international financial regulation 
So, so let's say hypothetically, um, a lot of global investors decide to pile in and just like let's say. you know and join the clown raccoons. Well, what you know, just if this really speaking. starts looking like it's a contagion situation, other countries' financial authorities may be forced to take action to restrict access to American markets and American investing to protect theirs. We may just it depending on what happens with the global element of it wall street may end up getting completely fucked over by every other central bank on the planet because they couldn't get this under control yeah oh, that's so good i like that <laughs> and even if they don't go full on fuck wall street to contain it any restrictions that these regulators are going to have to put in will constrain Wall Street's flow of capital and influence over global financial markets. Yeah. And let's say hypothetically speaking, what happens if all the global investors decide to join the clown raccoon party? Um, what happens to the U.S. economy? Well, as far as anyone can tell, literally the only thing holding it up is this year-long bubble that's been happening since the fed farted nine trillion dollars into space to save finance from covid so yeah, remember our early episodes <laughs> where we were all like money printer go burr this is the result of the money printer um <laughs> i think somewhere around quarter four we realized that there was kind of a recovery, that they managed to kind of salvage the situation. But we also warned at the time that the basis for recovery was extremely limited, unstable. So what, what Miss Silver, what you're saying is that the dead cat is about to stop bouncing? Yeah, it, if the dead cat finishes falling out of the air um all hell will break loose okay so and... what you're saying is that the dead cat jumped off of the trapeze and a team of uh federal reserve clowns came out of the side stage with a big old trampoline and the cat hit the trampoline last year and mm-hmm. now it, it just <laughs> started to fall down from its apex again mm-hmm. and the clown raccoons are are flooding into the circus tent <laughs> and going towards like the regular clowns in order to eat them alive yeah yeah and so they can't move the trampoline and, and we can't you know stress enough how much you know the clown raccoon metaphor is apt because wall street bets when it comes to you know their reasoning like they all agree fuck these hedge funds but the reasoning behind it is just an absolute fucking soup thrown against a wall yeah it it ranges from like i have i have like serious critiques against capitalism and finance yeah no it, it, it goes it ranges from these people with like these uh principled and smart like objections against finance to, like, guys who are all, like, there was a guy in my frat 
who went into finance, and he makes more money than me. Fuck that guy. <laughs> also, don't forget about the Strasserists. Like, this is literally making Strasserism more than just a meme far-right ideology. Is it, yeah. though? Is so, it, it's always kind of been there on the alt-right, but yeah, this is... But, like, these are not, you know, a merry band of heroes here. This is a total chaos element at work. Like, Doc, can you explain what Strasserism is for people who, thankfully, aren't as online as us? Oh, yeah, so Strasserism is, ba- like, what they called beefsteak Nazis back in the day. Basically, like, the wing of the Nazi party, who were mostly brown shirts... Who, they, they, they called them uh, were, beefsteak Nazis because they were brown on the outside, but red on the inside. Like a rare steak. Basically the socialist wing of the National Socialist Party, if you will. Like the mm-hmm. ones who were like, once we fuck up the Jews, we will then use socialist measures to redistribute property kind of thing in a weird, really racist Nazi way. Um Keep in mind, these were the literal Nazis. This was a wing of the Nazi party. Like... (laughs) Yeah, and then this was fed through about, you know, 70, 80 years of, like, you know, post-war... They were the ones that got purged in the late night of long. Ideology. Um... So, um, and now it's like this unholy mutant mess that has little to do with like the actual aims of the Strasserist party and it's basically just a meme ideology for Nazis who want a little socialism want- for white people. Yeah, they want Herrenvolk, uh, Her- yeah, Herrenvolk, uh, Social democracy with characteristics of genocide. Pretty much. And, like, it's important to clarify, this is not the entire group of Wall Street Feds, but it is a subsection, and a lot of the subsection is on 4chan. Yeah. Like, um, Let's be clear. Basically, every Strasserus is on 4chan. (laughs) (laughs) And can we just, uh, just, uh, you know, just to, like, you know, look back for a second, where, what uh, website online did the alt-right emerge from? Was it a chan a something-chan? Wait, it was 4chan. Yeah, fuck, I thought You want to see where the fire... Oh my god. I thought it was AOL. This changes everything. Um, but if you want to see like where the far right is gonna go, watch 4chan and watch like Eight Coon. Yeah, because yeah, Eight Chan gone. Eight <laughs> Chan nuked. But yeah, this is what the cross section is of Wall Street bets, and you know, just ordinary pissed off people. So you know, this isn't a coherent movement beyond we're going to use the stock market to kick some hedge funds in the nuts a few times. <sighs> Yeah, but it's kind of showing in these splits and these subsects that it probably will fragment into a bunch of different movements that still keep fucking around with Wall Street. So, um, speaking of fucking around with Wall Street, uh, can I put my philosopher hat on for a second? <laughs> oh God, here we go. This is when this is when Harley changes from. The just pigtails to the jester hat. 
<laughs> yes, I'm putting the gesture hat on. Not just the hat, but the entire suit. Okay, so uh, this is a, a this is a strategy that we're seeing for this group. It's very Delusian. It's very Landian. But uh, you, I guess you're asking how, what, who, who is who is Delusian? Who is Landian? D uh, Delusian is an adjective that refers to the guy, um, uh, like Gilles Deleuze. Uh, who wrote a lot of philosophy with uh, Felix Guattari. Um, and they often talk about these sort of uh, rhythmatic ways of resisting against power. And I'm sure some fucking asshole is going to say, what the fuck is a rhizome? Okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to explain to Luz. A rhizome is basically an, uh, a decentralized... It's basically a decentralized, complex system that is adaptive. That's a rhizome. And this is like what is resisting yeah. against power. It's not just complex and decentralized. It's horizontal. Ooh. Yes, it's horizontal. Like, think of it this way. Like, if you go into a forest, it, you know, the forest doesn't just require the trees. There's also this, like, big layer, well, not just layer, many layers of a, a vast fungal network under this forest that uh, people refer to as the wood-wide net. Uh, and it, that, the fungus, the uh, that fungal network is called a rhizome. Like, this is where the metaphor of the rhizome comes from. So what uh, the people on Wall Street Bets are doing is it's a Seleucian way of resisting against, like, Wall Street market capitalism, against financial capitalism, that I think can, like, be best summed up in uh, this, like, by this philosopher who his early work has value his later work complete trash but um this er, but early this earlier guy before he became trash nick land uh you know he wrote a lot with the ccru and the ccru has this to say um how and like this is how you can describe the clown raccoons Microinsurgency, not necessarily the romantic ideal of an armed insurrection, but little disruptions in everyday life that basically undermine human security and increase acceleration. This is microinsurgency, a convergent anti-authoritary action undertaken by actual cunning market logics, bursting screaming out of the constraints and controls put on it by the human security system. This is market intelligence going critical, a nuclear accident the Turing cops were completely fucking unprepared for because it arose from the silliest materials. Science intelligence is already massively artificial. Even before AI arrives in the lab, it arrives itself by way of artificial life. Where formalist AI is incremental and progressive, caged in the pre-specified databases and processing routines of expert systems, connectionist or anti-formalist AI is explosive and opportunistic. Engineering time, it breaks out non-locally across intelligentic networks that are technically but no longer technological, since they both elude theory dependency and behavioral predictability. No one knows what to expect. The Turing cops have had to model net sentience eruption as ultimate nuclear accident, core meltdown, loss of control, soft auto-replication feeding regeneratively into social fission, trashy meat all over the place, reason enough for anxiety, 
even without hardware development, about it to go uh, critical. So this is hyperstitional, and I'd argue what Lan was talking about with K-Tactics, a kind of convergent mm -hmm. anti-authoritarianism mm -hmm. that can revel in and navigate the flows of chaos. Yeah. Convergent waves. Um, do you want to say more? Yeah. Um, we know this is true because this was written by a group of grad students who were high on meth in a basement for six months straight. <laughs> and, the, and these were the people who predicted what happened with Wall Street bets and GameStop. Yeah. They literally did the same thing that ancient priests and mystics used to do, uh, basically taking drugs and doing meditative exercises and basically receiving prophecy and visions from angels and God. <laughs> and they wrote this. <laughs> And that's why regulators and the big players in finance are flipping their shit. They have no idea how to deal with a market mm -hmm. actor who refuses to play by their rules. And mm -hmm. there's no one to negotiate with. There's no one to strike a deal with. There's no one to to like crush. It can't be bargained with. It can't be released. The no it's basically. Like I forgot who it was who said it, but it's basically this like surprise return to old style Audi's anonymous, but with like actual resources. Like they've constructed this like hyperstition. A hyperstition is like a fictional entity that has become real. It starts affecting the real world. It's like take Baudrillard. Baudrillard talks about you know signifiers and all that, and eventually talks about like you know like signifiers so just separated and distorted from like the rest of reality that they have no connection mm -hmm. the next step beyond that is a hyperstition and like what has been constructed here with like wall street bets associated communities and different high frequency trader groups and a few hedge funds that managed to side with like the redditors is a hyperstition and critical support to the wall street bets hive mind death cult superstition yeah <laughs> It's, um, if I can get anime here for a second, um, no. I think this is no anime on this podcast. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. It's a, it's a standalone complex. Um, I wasn't sure such a thing would be really possible. But I guess, I guess they got it right. Um, such a I thing another... is indeed possible. A copy without an original. Um, because, and I like, think, like, another thing th we this can compare whole... this to is um, Warhammer 40k. <laughs> oh, God. So... The warp has birthed a new god, and it is hungry for your stonks. <laughs> I mean, like, I... I, I've said this before, but it's like the free market fairy has taken her mask off and has revealed herself to be, um, you know, corn, the, the, you know, the god of blood and the skull lord. Blood for the blood god, blood for the blood god. <laughs> like, this is literally a cornite cult of clown raccoons split between wanting to worship the free market fairy or wanting to kill it by ripping its heart out and being well, the victor see, who killed Korn themselves. See, no, the best part is that they believe 
Most of them believe that the best way to worship the free market fairy is to kill it and eat its brains. Um, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. So It is eternal. It will come back. It can survive is, the destruction of its form. To me, to me, and I know this may That's why we like, have to eat it. <laughs> this may seem like a little melodramatic and grandiose and like, I, but I do think that this is um, this is something like uh, what Antonio Gramsci said about uh, the time of monsters, and that these are like birth pangs of socialism. This is what class consciousness looks like, mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's it's because they've not um, they've not escaped the superstructure of capitalism, but they're trying oh, to mm -hmm. attack the base. In much of the way that yeah. the that the original capitalists were doing so in the name of feudalism and the church and stuff, they were doing the colonial trade and stuff, all like being like, "Oh yeah, no, this is this is feudalism. What I'm doing, um, even while commodifying labor, commodifying goods, commodifying uh, people." Um, and it was, and they were doing so in the name of feudalism. And so what we're seeing is people doing class warfare in the name of capitalism. <laughs> Whether they intentionally are doing it or not. And yeah. And I don't think that it's going to be like a success. I don't think this is going to build socialism, but I do think that this is, this is what... This is what uh, the birth pangs in transition are going to look like for a while, I think. is And, and it's a great teachable moment, too. Like, regardless of what you think of the particular factions within Wall Street Bets or Wall Street Bets itself, the way Wall Street and different regulators have been responding with this all-hands-on-deck, like, fuck the women and children, we need to save the poor stonks and hedge funds in a blatantly breaking their own rules kind of way is this is a teachable moment. This is a thing to wake people up with. And, yeah, and I think because the system is so sensitive to shocks at this point, that, like I, I think anything could set it off at this point. We are running into a very dangerous time. Um, and this I don't think this is the final crisis of capitalism, insofar as that's, like, a meaningful thing. I do think that this this could set off contagion. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I wrote up some stuff I wanted to say about this. Like, um, so basically, like, oh, where is it? Um, like, this is not about money. This is about, like, rage and power. Like, this is the literal invisible hand, apotheosis and all. It is war drums and the taking hold of a mad rage in which the rational method is abandoned in favor of the primal. Obviously, anyone's rational self-interest is a sell while high, but the self has been abandoned, and they, are, they have dissolved disillusion and time and social structure. There's no more self to kill. Like, we on this podcast are blessed as seers and occultists of the future. We are already dead. There is no more self to kill. There is no individual anymore, but a mass of individuals, an assemblage of desiring machines. 
There is only blood and madness and the raging winds of an era of fire. There is only the laughter of mad gods. Blood for the blood god and skulls for the skull throne. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and don't worry, we don't bite too hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that it, everyone? Well, I yeah, think... Uh, for now. Yeah, for I now. think we've pretty much covered the situation. Um... We'll we'll say more uh, on our regular weekly about like AMC and Dogecoin and the other uh, assorted uh, hangers on to the uh, GameStop phenomenon. But um, it seems like, yeah, it seems like we've covered we've covered Everything. this pretty good. This has yeah. been uh, Chop Shop Economics. Don't buy. Don't sell. Kill. <laughs> Good luck out there. Hold the line and to the moon! Remember, the tears of hedge funds is its own sweet wine. <laughs> the sweetest wine. Yeah.